don't even know what to say, but welcome back. QP Sports Exchange is here. We are actually doing a podcast, and it is probably 20-something days since we last did one, and um, a lot has gone on. So, first and foremost, it's gl- I'm super excited to be back. Um, this will be a football podcast. Football Friday might turn into something of Touchdown Thursday. I don't know. We're spitballing here. We're restructuring here. But the cast of characters stay the same. KC Kyler Copeland, our fantasy expert, is here. What up? Yes, sir. What's going on, man? I'm happy to be here. You know, like you said, long time coming for this episode. And I'm hyped to talk about football because football season is here, man. It is. And let me tell you something. There was a ton of overreaction in our little group, so to speak. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. Um, the Aaron Rodgers tragedy in week one seemed to have spooked a lot of people. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. But before we get into football, we got to talk a little bit about what has happened. Um, basically what has happened is that myself and my wife, we are in a transition phase. We are, we're moving East. That is clear. Um, but the, the home that we were staying in, we could not stay in anymore. Um, and what I'll tell you about that is this, is that, um, sometimes, Family is really difficult, and sometimes you can have the best intentions and you can have the best servant's heart you can, and people aren't able to receive it. Um, We're going to be very transparent today. It was an absolute shit show in that house. Uh, The... Person that I spoke of a lot about having mental illness is my niece, and she was an absolute train wreck. Um, a lot of behavioral issues, and unfortunately, my mother, who is older, um, is kind of as soft as wet tissue paper. So you can imagine the dynamic of a couple people trying to rein in a 13-year-old, damn near 14-year-old, who has had no discipline in her life, and having a mother who just wants to be liked every single moment of the day instead of saying, hey, I got to put my foot down, and you can't talk to your aunt and uncle this way, and you got to treat them with some respect. That was not the case. Got to the point where my wife was so anxiety ridden that it was beneficial to get her out of there because I didn't need to have her have a nervous breakdown. One, two, my soul was darkened (laughs) for a little bit. Um, And also it was just a toxic situation and not in the way that we usually are in the green room, Kyler. (laughs) So it was a 
it was an adventure. It was a situation of learning, but it was an absolute uh, dumpster fire at the end. And I am glad to be out and even in this transitional phase, wondering if I'm going to Texas or Tennessee uh, and waiting for a little financial windfall to fall our way towards the end of the year. That's kind of why we're in a holding pattern. But we are in lovely, lovely, lovely Orange County, California, which is a little bit away from the uh, the monsters that we were uh, residing with. So that is that. Um, and I will tell you, I went to a dark place myself. Um, there, there was some depression that I will that I had to deal with. And I wasn't going to be able to give you guys the energy or anything of real perspective on anything that was going on. So now that we are somewhat whole and somewhat in the right frame of mind, we are back and we are freaking happy to be back. And now Kyler is going to be so excited about this next statement. Kyler, let's talk about some fucking football, man. Fucking go. (laughs) I can't wait. I love it. I love it. There's a game tonight. Jump hyped. You know it's football season when it's Daniel Jones versus Taylor Heineke and you're hyped like never before. Oh, you you got to be excited about that. And the reason why, there's there's three reasons for that. And we'll get into all of them. But let's get into the first one. Daniel Jones is exactly who we thought we, he was. Um, this is a very inefficient quarterback. Um, this is also a guy who cannot hold on to the football to save his life. Um, and also the Giants continue to make mistakes in their drafting. Uh, it is, it's one of those things where it's hard to imagine that a franchise who have, who's had really good luck with quarterbacks, um, Eli, even going further back, and, and you talk about Phil Sims and uh, Jeff Hosteller and people of that ilk. But to have Daniel Jones and to have Gettleman stand up there and tell us, this is the guy that we wanted, this is the guy that we believe in, and this is the guy we chose. This guy who is the GM of the New York football giants, I have no clue. I have no clue about him as a talent evaluator. I can tell you that he completely whiffed on Daniel Jones. Obviously. Completely whiffed. Um, Saquon Barkley is coming back off a terrible ACL injury. Um, We expect that it will be a slow process. And I just got word that their left guard will not be playing tonight at all. So what to make of the Giants and their first week and now what's going into their second week? I do not have very high expectations for the Giants this year at all after seeing week one. And I know that might be a little bit of overreaction. Um, And also I want to say that 
to the Dallas fans out there, and I will get to you momentarily in this podcast. But make no mistake about it. The Giants are a dumpster fire, and the quarterback is to blame. There's no question about it. Kyler, what's your thoughts on the New York football Giants as a whole? Yeah, I was higher on them than you going into the season just because I like their defense, and I still do. Um, but, yeah, Daniel Jones is, is shit. He's, he's terrible. He's not good at football. And, you know, whenever I'm trying to draft a quarterback, I'm no scouting expert. I'll never claim to be one. But, you know, the first thing I look for in a quarterback is that they're good at football, and he is not. So that's not great. And, you know, the Saquon pick, Saquon's the best player on the team, but he's also the player that's on the field the least. So it doesn't help them at all. This is why you should never take a running back in the first round. It just never makes any sense looking at you, Pittsburgh. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Kadarius Tony in the first round this year was odd to me. You had Tevin Jenkins still on the board. You know, I like the trade down, but Kadarius Tony, I guess. He's a playmaker, sure, but receiver was fine. Um, Evan Ingram still can't catch. He didn't even play. I just feel like slandering him. Um. <laughs> well, that's an indictment on him, right? Is that you can't get on the field. If you can't right. get on the field and have productivity for your football team, what use are you? Right. And when you have a high draft pick that is put upon you, they expect you to produce every single week. Now, injuries play a part and all that, but when you're not getting on the field because of lack of productivity or you're only a passing threat and you don't serve any purpose as a blocker whatsoever, that's a problem. Right, it's definitely a problem. And, you know, the fact that we're saying all this and the fact that it still probably helped that he wasn't on the field isn't great. You know, that's another first-round pick right there, tight end. Um, and, you know, like I said, I still like the defense just in terms of talent on the field, but they did let Teddy Bridgewater put up 27 points, which isn't great. Shout-out to Teddy Bridgewater, but um, not great. I just, uh, I I was looking at like six or seven wins for the Giants. I still feel okay about that, but this was a a tough loss. Hopefully Saquon gets back healthy, but I'm not really looking forward to Giants games the rest of the year. And that leads me to the football team that is uh, residing in the Metro D.C. area. It's amazing to me how dysfunctional that team is, and they're going to win the division. They're going to win that division. I don't know how. I really, the only thing that I can back that up with is that Antonio Gibson and their weapons and that defense is, to me, the most sustainable thing throughout the year. Okay, their defense is one of the best in football. I mean, they have first round picks. See, here's the difference between the football giants and the team that resides in Washington. Their first round picks hit. All of them have worked. They put a lot of stock into their defense. 
and that defense is as stout as there is in football. That's how you build a team. You can, and people can say all you want. Well, you know, they got all these playmakers on defense, and what are they doing on the offensive side of the ball? Hey, listen, if you're at a point in the draft and you have a defensive lineman that's awesome and where you are on the board says that you pick another defensive lineman, that's what you do. Or you trade down if you have a trade partner. But Washington seems to have figured out how to draft. Now, credit to their front office because their owner, Daniel Snyder, is a complete buffoon. But we we, we do have a, a grown-up coaching in Ron Rivera. So that team to me and tonight, and they're favored um, – they're favored by three and a half. I, I believe they'll go ahead and cover that. You know, uh, we're going to be doing picks throughout this as well as we go through the games. But three and a half to me sounds real attainable for them, especially with Daniel Jones on the other side throwing the football to the people in uh, maroon and white. Yeah, I, I would agree that they'll cover that line of three and a half, I'll take Washington for that. Um, my only concern with Washington is we talk about that defense. It's an elite defense for sure, but in week one against the Chargers, it didn't really look like that. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams got whatever the fuck they wanted. It was bad. They both went crazy. Just, it might just be a testament to the Chargers' elite offense, but Herbert, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, just torched them all over the field. Their secondary looked rough. So not that the Giants can necessarily do the same thing, but it can, it's more of a concern going through the season, especially the fact that they have to face the Cowboys twice this season. And that'll make that game a little more interesting than I think you'd like to admit. So I do like Washington in this game, but I'm a little discouraged. And also, we should probably talk about the quarterback position because Ryan Fitzpatrick dislocated his hip, and now they have Taylor Heineke in that quarterback. Fitzpatrick wasn't playing very well. Heineke came, uh, comes in. He's shaky in the game. We'll see how he does against the Giants. But to me, it's a downgrade for Washington's whole offense that they have another quarterback in. I saw a stat, by the way. Did you know that this is a Terry McLaurin's 10th game already in his career with a different quarterback? I mean, here's the deal with that is that Heineke didn't look great, but how many reps did he get in the first week knowing that Fitzpatrick was going to run that ship, right? The yeah. second thing is, is that now that he has a week of reps, you know, McLaurin and all the weapons should be able to be utilized in a proper fashion. Here's mm-hmm. the one pushback that I'll give you about the San, Di- the, the San Diego game. The I don't want to say Los Angeles, but the Charger game. How many points did the Chargers actually put up in that game? They only put up 20, which wasn't go. a crazy amount. Yeah. There you go. So, better offense, right? Elite, we would, we like Herbert. I think we're yes. both in agreement that we like Herbert. And mm-hmm. their weapons are, are, are good. And they only put up 20. So, yeah, you can run up right. all the, down the field all you want. But if you're putting up 20, 
I'll take that. I'll take that. But the the stat on the tenth quarterback that McLaurin is having says a lot. They, I don't know what their deal is with quarterback. I still believe in the philosophy that they're using, though. Build up every other area and then go get your quarterback, whether it's via trade or via moving up in the draft or whatever the case may be. I like how they're building it. Yes, they have a mediocre quarterback. Heineke is probably going to drink a lot of Heinekens this year. Yes. And uh, by the way, uh, if I'm his agent, Heineke and Heinekens is a perfect marriage for uh, that young man to make some coin. So, uh, Taylor, if you're listening, which I know you are, because this is a worldwide podcast, you need to get your agent and your publicist on that so you can go ahead and uh, reap the rewards of that. You're welcome. That's a free one for you. Um, Heineke didn't play that bad last year. Uh, I think he's a competent game manager, and I just think that what we'll see now with the reps is that we will see Antonio Gibson maybe play a bigger role. Um, I think McLaurin will be able to do what he does. And I get who who is it in our group that loves Logan Thomas? I is it is it Nico that loves him? Oh uh, no, Nico was a uh, was an Adam Troutman guy. I believe it's uh, I think it's Patrick that likes Logan Thomas. Okay, he's the believer in Logan Thomas. Yeah. Well, expect a lot of dump off to Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson. You know, uh, we'll see how it all goes, but. Divisional games usually are close anyway just because there's a lot of familiarity. They know their plays. They probably know some of the signals and all that. But I just don't believe that the Giants can handle that pass rush. And I really think that Daniel Daniel Jones is going to be 100% exposed for the fraud quarterback that he is. And uh, if the New York area is mad about that, uh, just suck it, basically. You they know just the quarterback, quarterback sucks. They have to know. There's no way they don't know Daniel Jones' ass. It, this is a true statement. Just facts. Now that we've been completely depressed by the Thursday night game, which is, by the way, what we all expect for Thursday night games, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a hot 17 to 7. Oh my God, it's just going to be a dumpster fire all year. The next game that I want to talk about with you, Kyler, is this. The Buffalo Bills are playing in Miami, and uh, they are favored by three and a half points. Now, two things here. I pick Buffalo to win that division, I still stand by that. I, that, that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers was uh, a little eye-opening to me, personally. I still don't think they have a running back. I'm not no, sold on any of their running backs at all. Defense was okay. I expected more because I don't think that Ben is as... 
it's not the band of five or six years ago. We can be honest about that, right? Yeah, obviously. So they should be embarrassed and they should walk into Miami and go ahead and take care of business. The problem is, is that Miami is coached by Mr. Flores. And I am a big proponent of Coach Flores in that area. I think he has brought some toughness. He's brought some discipline. And he seems to have structured his staff in a way where there is competency up and down throughout that organization, which for a while we had that that team didn't have a captain to save its life. It was just out at sea, just chilling, not not hitting land at all. But now they win against the Patriots. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the Dolphins. Dolphins, bro. Listen, I understand. I understand. There were fumbles. It's the dumbest shit ever. There, There were fumbles. We, you know, got on up to it, right? There was fumbles. But that actually tells me a lot because that's a rookie quarterback. Shouts out to Mac Jones because that guy played pretty well in his first game. He oh, you was, mean uh, Mac Jones, a.k.a. Mike McCorkle Jones, a.k.a. Mac and Cheese? Yes, sir. God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mac Jones season. Yes, it is. It is the Mac Jones era, and we are all excited about it. And I think if they if they don't fumble the football, they win that game. So – Oh, for sure. Uh, Damian Harris, just letting you know, hey, bro, you, you play for the hoodie. So another game like that, bro, I'm going to let you know, you will be playing in, like, Saskatchewan. Just <laughs> another game. Bold of you to assume he's going to get 23 carries again. It's a J.J. Taylor season now. Okay, so we've already moved on. <laughs> Hey, Bill Belichick's already moved on. You know this. You know how it goes. J.J. Taylor is going to be Marshall Falk week two. I can't wait. So in this game, I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to talk about what you want to see in this Buffalo Miami game a little bit, and tell me where you're leaning with the three in the hook, because the three in the hook, that's the iffy proposition. These are divisional rivals. They play each other tough. They know each other. So what do you think you're going to see when the Buffalo Bills play the Miami Dolphins this week? Uh, well, in my heart as a Patriots fan, I'd like to see a 0-0 zero to zero tie of just an absolute dumpster fire of a game where it's just pick after pick after pick of terrible football. That would, that would make me so happy. That would, that would make my year. So please be asked. Um, but realistically speaking, Bills and Dolphins are two, you know, division rivals, like he said. So I think it will be a fairly close game. Will Fuller should be coming back for this game from his suspension, which I think matters. It'll hurt that Bills defense a lot more because they have that safety combo of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. But with Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle on the field, I think they can try and eliminate the safeties out of this game for what they want to do and have Tua operate across the middle of the field, which I think is a perfect game plan for them. I think it's a pretty decent Gesicki game for Miami. And just based on the fact that I think Miami has more ways of exposing Buffalo than Buffalo does 
to Miami because, like you said, the running game for the Bills besides Josh Allen isn't very strong. So it's going to be a super pass-heavy game. Dolphins have Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, very strong back seven unit. So I honestly think Miami is a better matchup. So I'm going to take Miami in this game to win it. I think it's going to be kind of low scoring. I'll take Miami to win 24 to 20. That means the favorites to win the AFC East would be 0-2 if Kyler's prediction is right. Kyler, do me a favor. I'm going to talk about this game myself. Look up the over-under for this particular game. Because yeah. I have thoughts. Um, one, Kyler's right. There is no running game for the Buffalo Bills. Two, did Josh Allen regress? No. Do not overreact to what you saw week one. Okay? If you're looking at Josh Allen, I don't know if he'll put up the numbers he put up last year. I think he might regress a little bit in the sense of he'll come back to the mean. But I don't think he's he's as trash as his first couple years, and he might not put up the lofty numbers he put up last year. But I think he's a really good quarterback, and I think that this this week is a statement game for the Buffalo Bills because if they have the expectations that everybody has put upon them, and I've seen in other reports that people are calling the Buffalo Bills frauds, I don't know if fraud is the right, right word. I don't know if that's the case, but I think that maybe – the 13 and 4, 12 and 5 Buffalo Bills might be more like 11 and 6. And if they end up 11 and 6, I'm going to tell you right now, the New England Patriots are going to win this division. Yes, sir. They're yes, going to end up winning sir. this division. The hoodie is back. He has a quarterback who can throw the ball more than 15 y- yards down the field. He has 39 running backs, he has 47 tight ends. And that dude will figure out a way. So with that being said, we're looking at this Miami game. And here's what I will say about Miami. Tua still needs to show me more. He still needs to show me more. I know. I know I've been on this situation. Not believing in Tua, sort of speak. I think he was put in a really bad position last year. I also think that the the organization still looking for quarterbacks like literally up until almost game time in week one is a telling situation. My thing is go forth with this young man and see what he has. Stop jerking him around because you're you you are killing his confidence. Miami Dolphin organization, you're killing his confidence. Back this young man, see what he can do, and then we'll go from there. If not, make the change now. Stop playing around. You know, if you don't have an alternative, 
I'm sure there's one out there. And I'm sure you can get one for a fourth or fifth round pick. You got a bunch of picks. Do what you need to do. Get yourself a game manager and call it a day. So I still need to see more from Tua. I am going to go ahead and say, now, Buffalo is favored. Yeah, it's minus three and a half. Okay. Mm, I don't think Buffalo covers. I don't think Buffalo covers at all. I really don't. Mm. It's a, it's a, that, anybody who goes to Miami, we all know what the situation is, right? You know, we all know what South Beach is like. All right. And if you don't know from experience, let me let you know one thing. That's a trap game for everybody because uh, the temperature is warm. There are some nice uh, senoritas walking around. There is a uh, really active uh, nightlife. So, you know, if you go down there and uh, dabble a little bit in the uh, the extracurricular activities that go on in uh, South Beach, you can get your ass beat. You can get your ass beat easy. So... I'm leaning to a little bit of uh now do we get the over under on that Kyler? Oh the for points? Yeah. Yeah, the over under is 48 and a half. Okay. These two teams are not scoring 48. <laughs> okay. 48 and a half. Listen, go under. Okay, they should go under by about 5 to 6 points. Go under on this. I'm more I'm more heavy on the over, on the under than I am on the point spread, but I will go like this. I think Miami can win this game. I think they'll win this game like I'll say 21-20, you know, something like that. Um, I think that we will see a team that was supposedly favorite to win this division. And also, it is always hard to come back after you have a great year and you're a young team and then have expectations put on you. How many teams have we seen late Lega A that, that second year when they came back when there's expectations on them? This might be oh, a struggle year for the Buffalo Bills. Not like struggle, they're going to lose a bunch of games. But they might go 11-6, and six, maybe win the division, maybe not. And I think the AFC East, between the three teams, the Jets will get to later. But those three teams, Miami, New England, and Buffalo, will be vying for the division title as well as just a shot in the tournament. Right. I think this division is one of the toughest in football, just in terms of the top three, obviously, the Jets. You know, shout out to my boy Elijah Moore, but Jets are having a rough time. Um, but, you know, I think there is a, a clear winner of this division still i think the bills are still favored to win but you know if mac jones aka mike mccorkle jones aka mac and cheese leads us to winning the division and i'll be just fine with that so i go patriots yes sir now we move on to a very interesting game because i have a lot to say about this i have a lot to say about this game this is the cincinnati Bengals versus the chicago bears First and foremost, 
Um, Shouts out to our guy Momo because he lost his mind last week. He, I, I believe he was on suicide watch at least for the first six hours after that game. That's one. Two, um, Joe Burrow looked pretty decent in his return. That's a good sign. The second sign is this. That offensive line is still shit. <laughs> still shit. Um, They got, and I, I'm scared for the kid. I'm just scared for the kid. Joe Mixon had more rushing attempts than Joe Burrow had passing attempts. And in this era of football, that does not happen. It just doesn't. So that's how they're going to protect the kid throughout the season, I think. I think they're going to try to balance it up, Kyler, keep him healthy, and then go back into the draft next year and hopefully beef up that offensive line that is absolute uh, soft as wet toilet paper. Right. I think the Jamar Chase thing was very weird during the draft, and it still is, but he ended up having a good game. So Bengals fans are excited about that. Um, First of all, it's the Andy Dalton revenge game, you know, coming back to Cincinnati. Uh, And I think, if I'm being honest, I think this would be the perfect time for Justin Fields to be the starter. I think that'd be the funniest shit of all time for Dalton to come back to Cincinnati Say I want my revenge, and then first quarter he throws two picks and he gets benched. I I can see it already. So, just based off that, I'm picking Chicago to win this game. Just based on the storyline I've created in my head. Um, but Cincinnati surprisingly won. Um, and then Chicago played. You know they lost my 22 year Rams, and obviously you can speak a little more on that game. Um, but they didn't look great. Going for it on fourth down every single time. Jerk, jerking the kid around, putting him in just to hand off the ball. Uh, it was vintage Bears, I will say. That's what I'll say about that, is that it was vintage Bears. How do you run up and down the field on supposedly – one of the best defenses in football with David Montgomery. And then, if I'm not mistaken, I think the man only had like 16 rushes total. But he was doing such an effective job of running the football. And you just go away, you just go away from it? Just go away. Yeah, it was weird. I'm, I'm at a loss when it comes to Chicago. I'm at a loss. I, I don't know what they're doing. I understand that they, they're trying to protect the kid. They don't want him in there too soon, right? I get what they're trying to do. But if you're going to bring him in for some of these plays, are you going to let him throw the football? I mean, he is a quarterback. I, I thought that's how he was drafted. I didn't think he was drafted to be Pat White. And for the young kids out there, YouTube, Pat White, West Virginia, just do yourself a favor with that. Um, 
the second thing is that the Bears have a, a formula to win this game. They can run the football, play action pass, and win this football game. But I don't trust Nagy to do it. So I'm kind of in the crossroads a little bit, but they're at home. Right? They are at the crib. So with that being said, the actual coin spread is three and a half. Mm, that's that's really rough. That's really rough. Do we do we trust the Chicago Bears enough, KC, to cover that spread? I think so. I think this is a better matchup for Chicago than uh, their previous game, just because you know they left Khalil Mack coming off the edge against the Bengals' old line. Um, I think their corners are better suit for the Bengals receiving core than Minnesota's were because they don't have Rashad Breeland being the worst corner in the league. Um, God, he was terrible. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was so bad. Poor but, Momo. Um, Poor Momo. He was, he was in his yeah. feelings all day. He was having a rough time, but I like Chicago in this game to win. Um, you said the point spread was three and a half, right? Yes, sir. I think I'll take Chicago to cover that. I like Chicago for that. Here's the only reason I want to pick Chicago, because their offense actually ran up and down the field on my Los Angeles Rams. Okay? Um, and we'll get to the Rams in a second. But you're at home. I think the kid gets anywhere between 12 to 16 snaps if they're still doing this deal. I hope they allow him to throw. Uh, You're right. Khalil Mack being back is a game changer for that defense. It's going to make the secondary even look better because Joe Burrow won't have time to get the ball out. But I do expect a big game from Boyd. Boyd and Mixon could have pretty good games because he's going to need Joe Burrow's going to need to get the ball out really quickly cuz that offensive line is not great. If they get into third and long situations, I am very afraid for Joe Burrow's career and life. That's just, that's just saying that. So I think shootout though. I think shootout I think this could be one of those like 31-27, 31-24, something like that. I think there could be like 55 points put up, 55 plus. I don't like Andy Dalton to score that many points, to be honest. How about David Montgomery getting a couple touchdowns? And if they get any sure. sort of turnovers uh, on on the opposite side of the field, that's a short field. They're about to get 12 safeties to get that point spread. Other than that, I don't see. But uh, we'll see. I think that they're in with them being in Chicago, they kind of open up the playbook a little bit. Nagy looks like, you know, somewhat of an off- a competent offensive uh, play caller. They give the people of Chicago what they want, which is more of Justin Fields and less of the a.k.a. Red Rocket. Guy's trash. Trash. But 
I think the kid gets anywhere between 12 to 16 snaps. And I think those 12 to 16 are the reason why they went. And I think that's the reason why they put out the points because he has the capability of explosive plays down the field. And that means that our guy, Allen Robinson, could have a big game. Please. I have him in so many leagues. Please give me an Allen Robinson game. I'm begging. Yes, our fantasy guy is sweating a little bit because in our green room fantasy league, he lost to me. This did happen. Okay. Now, listen. I'll put it this way. A broken clock is right twice a day. All right? I do not consider myself a fantasy expert or guru. But I did win. I will take that W. You know what I'm saying? I will definitely take that W. It means a little bit more to me that it was against my fantasy guy, personally. But I'm not rubbing salt in that wound because here's the thing. He does pick players very well and also he was uh also has the fleece of the week compliments of me i guess but we'll talk about that at a later date because a lot of people are upset with me because i uh made a trade that seemed to uh set off uh, fire alarms in our uh in our green room uh chat it wasn't great and by the way they gave us some bullshit i had four fumbles on my team you know Four fumbles, and then you have Corey Davis, Debo Samuel, DJ Shark. God, Debo putting up 200 yards. It's ridiculous. Yes, sir. And I parlayed that into different stuff this week. <laughs> See, I am not having pretty much the same fantasy team every week. Everybody could do the waiver wire deal. That's fine. That's great. I'm all for it. If I see something on there I like, great. I'll put in for it. But I can trade. I can trade for what I want. So I I make bold trades. People get mad. That's great. I don't care. But I'm going to tell you right now. We'll see at the end of the year. We'll see. I know I ain't going to be last. I know that. But getting back to this game. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I, I, I don't know where you're going with it. I think you have the Bears winning but um, and covering, covering the spread. I do think that it will be a little more high scoring than you do. Um, just because I believe that Justin Fields will get a decent amount of snaps this time, and he will actually be able to throw the football. So that's why I'm going with the higher score. So we both think that Chicago will cover, though, right? Yes, sir. So we'll move on to a interesting game because um, this has turned out to be the the USC football game here. Uh, as we record on Thursday, right before the uh, Thursday night football game, the University of Southern California finally pulled the plug on Clay Helton. And then Urban Meyer was asked, Hey, do you have interest in the Southern Cal job? And he said, absolutely not. Now, two things. One, he was trash last week. <laughs> he was 
absolutely abysmal last week, which really is pondering to me. I mean, it's just it's so weird because Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator of that team. And they did not look great against the Houston Texans, who we all thought was a complete dumpster fire. And I must say, I'm still, listen, it's one game. I still think Houston might be a dumpster fire. But what do we expect from Jacksonville at this point? Because that game was ugly. It looked like a college coach coaching his first NFL game. That's what it looked like. It was really that. Everybody expect Urban Meyer to come in here and just magically change the franchise. It looked like a guy who has spent his entire career in college. So they're playing the Denver Broncos who, uh, yeah, Teddy B. Shots out to Teddy B because he played well. You can call him check down Teddy if you want, but they played well. And it looks like Noah Fant is finally going to uh, emerge as a good tight end. And we'll see how it all goes for the rest of the year. But in this game in particular, now the Broncos are traveling to Jacksonville. They are favored by six and a half. So six in the hook. Kyler, what's your thoughts on the Denver Bronco Jacksonville Jaguar tilt? Yeah, uh, the first thing I'd like to know, by the way, is because you mentioned that uh, they asked Urban Meyer about coaching USC, and he said absolutely not. I think after that game, if they were to ask the USC organization, do you want Urban Meyer to coach your team, they would say absolutely not. Just throwing that out there. They'd have the exact same response. Facts. So USC is not hurting at all that Urban Meyer said no. Um, I, I think I think I hate this Jacksonville team. I think they're ass. I think it's fair to say now that they're not good and it's mostly Urban Meyer and also this defense is trash. We might see a game where Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams get over 100 yards rushing. I think that's very possible. Um, We're going to also put James Robinson. um, We're going to put out an all points bulletin out on the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We don't use milk cartons anymore. We have Amber Alerts, so we'll be putting out an Amber Alert for uh, James Robinson as well. Please. Now, I will say the stat line looked worse than it actually was. He had a lot of plays. He called back due to holding penalties, so he did actually have more carry than Carlos Hyde, unlike what you'll see on the face value box score. But still, I agree. Please give me some James Robinson touches. Um, But I like Denver in this game. Teddy Bridgewater is the ideal quarterback. Um... Shout out to Jerry Judy. Hopefully he comes back soon. I love me some Jerry Judy. But the running game, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, I think is going to crush Jacksonville's terrible, terrible run defense. Noah Fant, like you said, this might not be a huge Fant game. I think I actually like Tim Patrick in this matchup the most, and he was a popular waiver wire guy in fantasy circles after week one because of the Judy injury. Um, And then the defense, Vaughn Miller, Looks like he's back to form. He got a sack last week. You know, they've got solid corners. I think Denver should be able to cover that six and a half spread. I like Denver a lot in this matchup. This could be a 20 plus point win, to be honest. Jacksonville 
is not good at most things. I agree. I agree. Um, by the way, Duval County, I'm just going to let you know right now. Okay, I'm going to give you the score of the game. So you don't even have to watch it, all right? Score of this game is going to be 31 to 10. You're not going to be effective at all. Trevor Lawrence is going to look like a rookie quarterback. And if they don't get the ball a lot to James Robinson, this is going to be embarrassing very quickly because the one thing that we saw with Trevor Lawrence in week one is that ball security is an issue. He threw passes that were, I'm going to tell you right now, double coverage is not the word for it. I mean, I don't know if there was missed assignments in that, but there were some passes that just looked terrible. And I think he is easily fooled by zone coverage or amoeba zone coverage. I don't know what your thoughts on that is, Kyler, but I saw a, a guy who struggled getting out to his his secondary and third reads. Um, I think it was partially that and partially him not being used to the fact that, oh, these linebackers and these corners and safeties are really fucking fast. I think that's an adjustment a lot of quarterbacks have to make. Some get used to it faster than others. And I think it's more so with Trevor Lawrence because he was on a Clemson team and the talent disparity between them and most of the teams they played against was so big. Meanwhile, Jacksonville, as much as we shit on the Texans roster, just in, because it's the NFL, the talent gap between the Jaguars and Texans rosters isn't nearly as big as a, a Clemson versus I don't know a, I don't know what's a what's a really Florida State shit, Florida State sure we lost to Jacksonville State shots out to Seminoles hey by the way when you lose to like a Division two team on your home field like I'm gonna tell you right now I don't want to hear from you Florida State fan I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear about, oh, uh, restrictions on on scholarships. I don't want to hear from you at all. Your team's trash, okay? It is absolute trash. Kyler, the theme, I know you're not a big college football guy, but here's the thing. You live in Texas, so you do know one yes. thing. The University of Texas... It still believes that they are a recruiting class away and a coach away from being Alabama. Okay? We all know that's not true, but there are other sick, sick fan bases. And when I say sick, I'm saying, you know, they have some kind of mental deficiency. USC is one, and Florida State is another. Those Two fan bases are always talking about, well, we're going, we're, it's college playoff or bust. All right. Lower your expectations, Florida State fan. And he's right. Jacksonville ran into a similar uh, talented team 
you know, and I won't say talented, like they're really talented, but talent level was similar. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to look brilliant sometimes, and he's going to look god-awful the other times. Because, as I said, draft time, he can only read half the field. He'll have to learn through this season. Listen, Peyton Manning had a 1-15 year. Troy Aikman didn't win a game until his second year. So take the bumps and bruises. Go back into the draft. Help this kid out with some offensive linemen and maybe help the defense too. Because that defense did not look great. Because if you told me two weeks ago or three weeks ago that Tyrod Taylor in the Houston Texans offense was going to be able to do what they did to Jacksonville, I told you. You are absolute. I'm going to drug test you right fucking now. I just want to say that it's 2021 and David Johnson and Mark Ingram both scored touchdowns in the same game in the same team. I'm just saying. Shouts out to 2015. Yes, sir. So you got so you got Denver right in this game big. Yeah, I have Denver sure. in this game big. And it leads us right to the Houston Texans. Look at that. Serendipity. Houston is playing the uh, Cleveland Browns now. Um, we did already talk about the Houston Texans a little bit. Um, they they do believe in uh, back to the future, obviously. And I think they have a, a DeLorean hidden somewhere for sure. Um, <laughs> Brandon Cooks, man. Like, really? Brandon Cooks, Amendola, Mark Ingram, and David Johnson are their offensive stalwarts, and they won a football game. So uh, there's not a lot to say about that, but they are coming to play the Cleveland Browns, who played a really good game at Arrowhead and then had a devastating turnover towards the end. Do you look at Cleveland any differently than you maybe perceived them to be three weeks ago? Um, no, not really. Um, I didn't think that they were on the level of a Kansas City in that show. They were close, but not quite there. Um, really, the only takeaway was Baker Mayfield's fourth quarter, which was a quarter he came up short in. So maybe he's not quite there as a quarterback that can take them to a fourth quarter game winning drive if they need it but it's a long season so we'll see but wasn't able to do it in arrowhead but i do think this team and baker mayfield are good enough to beat the texans so you know as much praise as we just gave them for beating jacksonville cleveland is a couple tiers ahead of them as far as the the construction of the team and the roster so i like cleveland a lot in this game and the spread is Wild on this game. What is it at? It's 12 and a half. Crazy. 12 and a half. Two touchdowns. 12 and a half is crazy. I might not take the Browns to cover. That's a hot I take. might not take them to cover. That's I think because I think this will be a huge Chubb game and Kareem Hunt, not as much Baker, I think the time of possession is going to wind this clock down to where it won't necessarily be a shootout. And I think Houston's also going to try to control the ball and wind down this clock. So Cleveland can't be on the field. 
So I don't think it'll be as high scoring as some people think, and I don't think 12 and a half happens. That's where you and I differ. Here's what I, I think. Figured. Yeah, here's what I think. It is, and, and this is what I'll say about it. I don't think it's going to be a really high scoring game. I just don't think that the Houston Texans offense will be effective. That's where I'm going to go with this. Okay. I think that Baker will do just enough, you know, to win and be effective. But I think that you're going to get a really pissed off Cleveland Browns team at home, home opener, right? So that defense will be ready. They were probably a little bit embarrassed by what transpired in Kansas City. And I think they get after Tyrod Taylor. They put him in third and long situations, allow that pass rush to get to where they need to get to. I think it'll be a game where it's like 24 to 6, 24 to 9, something like that. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored on both sides of the football, but I do believe in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and I believe that Baker will make enough plays to get his team into the mid-20s, and I believe that defense can hold the Houston Texans to single digits. Single digit? I, I don't know. Tyrod's not a guy that turns the ball over a lot, so I can't really give him the turnover, you know, huge differential as far as winning. I just think the game plan for both teams lends this to not be a super high scoring game. And, you know, maybe Houston does score in the single digits, sure. But I think that would just mean that uh, they don't cover the spread more. Because I think if they scored nine, Cleveland scores 17, you know. So you are not buying into that offense being dynamic, right? Is, is, um, is that what I'm hearing? No, I offense? think the offense is dynamic. I think this actually means that they are more dynamic because game to game, they can kind of choose what their game plan is. If it's a run-heavy game and it's more Nick Chubb, then it's that. If it's pass-oriented and it's Kareem Hunt catching the ball, they can do that. I think this is just a pound-the-rock, chew-the-clock kind of game for not just the Browns, but the Texans as well. So this isn't an indictment on the Browns at all. I just think that they're going into this game trying to grind down the Texans' defense and wear them out as the game goes on. All right. So KC believes that the 12-and-a-half is just too much for him to to take. I believe in the sugar. I believe in it. So 12-and-a-half for me is perfectly fine. I believe they'll win this game really easily. 17 points is where I think – this game will end up. It'll be a 17-point uh, uh, lead at some point, and it will just stay there. It will just stay at that point, and I don't think the Texans have enough to deal with them. So we disagree here, but that's fine. That's what we do here. You take it for whatever you will. <clears throat> now, I don't know what the over-under is on that game, but if, that, if, the, if the point total is like anything above, Above 40, take the under on that deal for sure. Browns Texans over under is 48 and a half. Oh, yeah. Take the under. Take the under. Yeah. Take go, the under. Go under way hard. By the way, put, put, hey, put some candy on that one. All right. 
put some candy on that one. All right. I mean, if I don't give you anything this week, I'm going to give you that one. If you are expecting 50 points between those two teams, it is not going to happen. So if you want to make a little cash, a little coin, you know, a little investment, however you want to call it, a little crypto, it's what you're doing. All right. Under heavy in that Cleveland Brown, Houston, Texas game. This leads me to the Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I'm going to kind of fall back a little bit because I got some things to say about the Los Angeles Rams, and people are going to hate it. But uh, they are going to Indy. They are favored by, or hold on, are they favored? Yeah, they're favored by three and a half. Carson Wentz, uh, um, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we will see. Kyler, what's your thoughts on the Rams and the Colts? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with your Rams because I know that you're going to have a lot to say here about this Rams team. Um, you know, and me and Vince have talked about this before. I think that the Rams and how they played against David Montgomery because they did let him run, I think that is kind of the weakness of the team is that linebacking core. And, you know, they lost Michael Brockers and John Johnson, which hurts the run game. So Jonathan Taylor could have a big game. But at the end of the day, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be able to get this game done for them. I think the Rams have enough talent with, you know, Aaron Donald just abusing Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz likes to hold on to the ball way too long. So I think Donald is a game where he could get multiple sacks, honestly. Jalen Ramsey roaming the field against these mediocre at best wide receivers. And I don't I just don't think Carson Wentz can be able to get it done. I'm higher on the Rams than you are personally. You know, I think the Rams played well enough to show they can beat the Colts. I think that's fair to say. And I feel pretty confident in saying that the Rams will beat the Colts. And uh what's the the spread for this game, the point spread? Three and a half. I'll take the Rams for that. I'll take the Rams to cover that. This may surprise you, Kyler. I'm going to sound like a glass half full guy. I'm going to sound like Nico a little bit. I believe the Rams will also cover. I do. All right, there we go. Progress. I do. Here's, here's what I will say, though. If that team can... I, I think their schedule is going to help them early. I think the test is the week after. I think they play Chicago and they play Indianapolis, not high on both organizations as a whole, right? Um, I believe in Indianapolis in the sense of I believe that Chris Ballard as a GM is very good. I did not like the Carson Wentz acquisition. Um, you are right. Their weapons on the outside, not that great. And I don't think they have enough to beat the Rams. Just like I didn't think Chicago had enough to beat the Rams. Here's my problem though. The Rams are a favored team. Now they're not the most favorite team to go to the Super Bowl, but they are a favorite team that a lot of pundits are saying, hey, beware of the Rams. This year they look good. What have you? They blew out the Chicago Bears. If you look at that game, I saw 
lack of physicality on the defensive side of the football. I saw a run game that is leaning towards a lot of like wide runs, not a lot of inside the tackle deal. Shots out to Daryl Henderson, who I'm still waiting for him to have a positive uh, effect on the inside running game. I'm still waiting. This is what year three for him, two, three for him. Year three, I believe. Yeah. So year three, and uh, that guy has not run inside tackles for anything more than three yards ever. Okay. Here's where the Rams have a saving grace, though. We got a quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Matthew Stafford era. The world is a better place. Jared Goff is in Detroit, sucking. And Matthew Stafford is here, reading defenses, getting into the playbook, looking at film, being like literally kind of married to McVeigh. They seem to have the same type of mentality and they, they're finishing each other's sentences is a great situation in Los Angeles between offensive guru, head coach, and really talented quarterback that's been very maligned because he played for the Detroit Lions, which is a poverty franchise. Okay? We can say it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good, Detroit. I understand that. But I do believe you're going in the right direction because I'm going to tell you, you got the perfect tank commander in Jared Goff. He is absolute garbage. Personally, I think his mom should have boarded him, but that's, you know, you know, hey, it is what it is. He will. I will say, I, I feel like I have to be devil's advocate. Jared Goff was not terrible in that 49ers game. He almost. Led them back. No, obviously had them in the deficit in the first place. But Jared Goff in the second half of that game, especially the fourth quarter in the last two minutes, wasn't bad. And I think he is okay to run their offense. Um, yeah. This is called Mark Bolger syndrome, where you are the reason why you're down by a bunch, and then you get a bunch of uh fantasy points and everybody loves you. Okay, his stats at the end of the year will look good, no doubt about it. Okay, and he will fool you into thinking that he is a competent quarterback, but make no mistake about it, Jared Goff is not a competent quarterback. No, I'm not saying he's crazy or that he's you know even a, a guy I'd like to have started on my team. I'm just saying in this 49ers game specifically. He didn't look bad, and he looks like, you know, they're building an offense to try to, you know, fit around his weaknesses, which is what Sean McVay did as well. Now, will Detroit do it to the same success? I highly doubt it. They don't have nearly the same amount of weapons. They do have my boy TJ Hawkinson. But Shout out to TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I don't see them being nearly as efficient, but I don't think it's going to be the absolute dumpster fire that a lot of people thought it would be, just at face value of, the the talent of the offense of Detroit. Well, getting back to this game, I I actually do believe the Rams will win. I I believe that they will win. I think they will win 
pretty easily, not in a sense of like it's a blowout or anything like that, but I believe something like this. This is going to be, I think the Rams have a chance of putting up 30 on an Indianapolis Colt team in their building. So Lucas Oil Field or what the whatever it's called there. Um, I think this will be something like 31 to 23, 31, 24, somewhere in there. I think they can go ahead and do that. Um, I think they'll give up some late touchdowns or whatever to make that game closer than what it needs to be. Because, yeah, other than Aaron Donald on that defensive line, somebody needs to show and be able to command blockers. I did not see that in the first game at all. I'm hoping that it will happen. Sebastian Joseph Day, I'm talking to you. Ashawn Robinson, I'm talking to you. Gaines, I'm talking to you. You got to help out the one of the best defensive players of our lifetime. You got to help him out a little bit. Because if you don't, he's going to see double and triple teams all year. And uh, our linebacker crew is not great. Let's just be honest about that. Jalen Ramsey played his ass off. David Long Jr., excellent game. The safeties are what I thought they would be. We're not going to get beat last, like last year. Everybody was like, well, John Johnson was a you know terrible loss. <laughs> John Johnson can be fooled. The one thing that I, I like about the, the back end of the defense this year is I think they got people who are less likely to be fooled. Taylor Rapp, uh, Jordan Fuller, those guys, I like them. I, li- I like how they play. I like the style. But I'm looking for a lot more physicality from that front seven that I did not get in the Chicago Bears game. But I believe that their schedule has helped them, and it all leads to the third game. And, Kyler, do you know who the Los Angeles Rams are playing in week three? I don't. I don't. You're going to have to remind me. I don't have that many Rams on my fantasy teams. The reigning defending Super Bowl champions. And also the most legendary quarterback with a supermodel wife. Kyle Trask. Not Kyle Trask. (laughs) Are you sure? No, I'm Are you sure there isn't a quarterback controversy brewing? There is is none. There might be a running back controversy, but there is no quarterback controversy whatsoever. Tom Brady. Wayne Gabbard season? No. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I know one thing, uh, O.J. Howard uh, might need to be packing his back soon, but the one thing we don't have to worry about is uh, Tom Brady is 44 years old, and that man is talking about playing to 50 now. And uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, until you stop him, until you stop that man, because I think he's a cyborg. I don't even think he's really from this planet anymore. That's the game where I'm looking to see what the Rams are all about. This game right here is a tune-up. Don't look past Indianapolis, by the way. You know, 
do what you're supposed to do. It's a business trip. Go there, take care of business, win this game handily, come out somewhat injury free, especially to anybody who is our like our top level guys. And that's all I can ask for. So they're favored by three and a half. I'm definitely taking the Rams. Uh, Kyler, you're taking the Rams as well, right? Yes, I am. All right. Now we move on to Nico's favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They will be playing the Las Vegas Raiders. There's a lot to talk about here, Kyler. Uh, First and foremost, the Raiders uh, tried to lose that game. They tried to. They really, really did everything they could to lose that game. But it was all for naught. They did win it Monday night. Now, you know, you know the situation. Coming off a Monday night game, the team that plays Monday night usually has a little kind of a step back, all that sort of sort of say. And we saw a Pittsburgh defense that looked really good last Sunday. So your thoughts on how this game is supposed to go. And the Steelers are favored by five and a half. Yeah, I, I would agree that the Raiders will take a step back. That was a pretty like emotional high of a game because that was a wild Monday night game. Appreciate the Raiders and the Ravens for not doing so hot in the fourth quarter so we could get that crazy overtime finish. Shout out to them for week one Monday night magic. But um, I like the Steelers in this game to win it. TJ Watt coming off the edge. You got a really solid defense and a good enough offense to beat the Raiders defense. If you have a competent offense, you'll beat the Raiders defense, which to be fair, actually look kind of solid against the Ravens. Max Crosby is my guy. Love me some Max Crosby, but I don't think it's going to be enough with this quick passing game. I think it's a perfect counter to the Raiders defense and then possible Najee bounce back game as well. So I like the Steelers in this game, but, I don't think they'll cover the spread. I think this game's going to be close. I think, you know, a four-point game, a three-point game is possible just because I kind of like what the Raiders are doing on offense and weirdly on defense. I have weird faith in the Raiders to to make this close. Well, Keyshawn loves you for that take. Shouts out to Keyshawn and and Patrick because they they both are Raider fans. So here's the thing. Um, what does what does the what does the Raiders have as far as on the outside? What 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 do we make of their receiving core? Uh, well, first of all, you have Brian Edwards, who I really like. Brian Edwards was a guy I liked as a breakout candidate last year in his rookie season. Most of that was cut short due to a foot injury, so that was unfortunate. But second season, he's turning into the receiver I think he can be. Love me some Brian Edwards. Henry Ruggs is not that good. Um, he's just fast. That's all he does. But people, I think, overreact to him being ass. I think he's like, people act like he's John Ross. He's not John Ross. John Ross was shit. Henry Ruggs at least is good enough to be a decoy on the offense to draw safeties away from Darren Waller. And that's honestly all you really need. That's why Darren Waller gets fed so much. You saw it in the Baltimore game, and I think you'll see it again here. I guess the Steelers drawing away that safety to get Darren Waller open in the middle of the field, getting Brian Edwards one-on-one coverage. That's all they really need. And then, you know, it could be a rough game for Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. But 
I think they have enough on the outside to where it's not a huge concern. It's not the Lions receiving core, you know? Here's what I'll say. I actually think you're right. I think that I think the Raiders did show enough. And here's here's the guy that I think will have the big game. I know you're a big Brian Edwards guy. I think the guy that will have the big game because I think Devin White is gonna try they're gonna try to minimalize Darren Waller with uh with White, the linebacker, right? Devin White. Here's the deal. It's Devin Bush. Or Devin Bush. Is it Devin Bush? Devin White is. Yeah, Devin White's in Tampa Bay. Sorry. Got my Devins mixed up. Apologize, Bush. You know. All right. Here's the thing. Hunter Renfro could have a big game. Because I think the pass rush for Pittsburgh is going to be hot. They are going to try to get after Derek Carr. And, yeah, his number one target Obviously, is Darren Waller, and why would it not be? Because that man is super special. And uh, as much as you have TJ Hawkinson, like, just glasses on, do you think that Darren Waller will, because of the targets, will he end up being tied in one in fantasy? Uh, He could. I think he's one of three or four guys that could. Uh, I still think Kelsey's tight end one, and it's not even really close. But, you know, Waller, I had Waller over Hawkinson in the rankings. Hawkinson was third for me ahead of George Kittle. But Waller is special, man. He's amazing. So Darren Waller could finish his tight end one. And I think he also has a big game just because, like you said, Devin Bush is going to try to cover him. But I think there's a difference between trying and succeeding. And love me some Devin Bush. Darren Waller is too good, too big, too fast, too strong. I don't think it matters. Do you agree that maybe Hunter Renfro might be target number two if if Waller is not open? Do you think that Derek Carr goes off of Waller a little bit and give a couple more uh, passes to Hunter Renfro in this game? Because to me, if, uh, he, if yeah. he does that, I think they do stay close in this game. If he goes into this thing and do, does what he did early in that in that Ravens game, when you saw Darren Waller being blanketed by three guys and he starts to throw into that coverage that defense with uh with uh minka that's that's not the that's not the ingredient that you can be successful with because minka is a ball hawk he will pick off passes so i'm hoping that Derek carr is a little bit smarter with the football utilizes ranfro utilizes bubble screens with like Henry Ruggs and see if they can do something with that and just kind of get them out in open space. I think five and a half is a little much because here's the one thing that I also still have a problem with. I don't believe, I don't believe in the Pittsburgh offense still. I'm sorry. I know people will be mad. I know Nico for sure will be mad. But I still don't believe in it. I still think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to have to prove to me that he can he can guide this team to a successful season. Um, and when I say successful, successful on Pittsburgh standards, getting to the playoffs, making deep runs. All right. Um, so I think it will be close. Now, could this be three point like end of game type deal? It could be. It definitely could be. 
but the five and a half is too much for me to give up for uh, Pittsburgh as far as that's concerned. So I think they'll win. I just don't think they'll cover. So shouts out to Vegas keeping games close and winning people money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Chucky. Gruden on a 10-year contract. Still, still amazing. Still amazing to this day. Now, this is going to take us to a game that is really close to Casey's heart. It is so close to his heart that my man is probably still having emergency therapy at this point. New England is going to Gotham, and they are playing Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Now, the first thing I'll say is this. It's a rookie quarterback. And Bill Belichick is still at the helm of the New England Patriots. And for me, that's all I need to hear. Belichick against rookie quarterbacks has a phenomenal record. He makes them look like dog shit. And he likes to require the dog shit. So this game is a, uh, we're looking at a five and a half spread on this game. Kyler, thoughts on New England and the Jets? Uh, yeah, Patriots are so good. We're so amazing. The Jets are kind of ass. Jets, first of all, I'll talk about their offense and then their defense. Offensively with the Jets, they don't have a running game. They, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson is a very shitty committee approach. The shitty committee, if you will. But Jets are ass in the running game. And then we match up very well. With our pass rush, Josh Uche and Matthew Judon look like a very good pass rushing duo. Chase Winovich mixes in as well. We've got good corners. I think it's a tough matchup for their wide receivers, and that's the strength of the team, really, as far as the offensive side of the ball goes, is the receiving core in the deep ball with Zach Wilson. Wilson looked a little shaky against Carolina. I think our defense is around the same level, if not better, than Carolina's. So I think the Jets... Might score single digits, to be honest, but they might score like a little 13, little 13 points. Uh, and then offensively, we're just going to run the ball, check down to intermediate passes with Mac Jones, a.k.a. Mike McCorkle Jones, a.k.a. Mac and Cheese, and just pound the rock and win the game. I'm not sure how much we're going to trust Damian Harris after a fumble, as well as Ramondre Stevenson. I think what we'll do is Stevenson's going to be a healthy scratch instead of J.J. Taylor. And J.J. Taylor, she's a good amount of work. So I like that. James White, obviously, being Christian McCaffrey for our team. He was Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey, just putting that out there. And, uh, you know, Jonu, Hunter Henry. Uh, Jonu's on the injury report now, which is a little scary. But even if he's out, I think we'd win this game by a sizable margin. I don't know what the point spread is, but I don't care. We're going to cover it. Well, that point spread is five and a half. And- it could be 40 and a half, and we're taking that. Okay. I, I got something for you, Kyler. Yes. Mac Jones will win rookie offensive player of the year. For sure. MVP, I think, is uh, more like it. I mean, I, you know what? I mean, listen, you know, shoot for the stars, end up on the moon, however it works. I believe in Mac Jones. I think I believed in him in the offseason, actually. Go back and check out the archive pods. That's the first one of those of the day. 
It is five and a half. Here's the other thing. Makai Becton is hurt. The pass rush for New England got a lot better in the offseason. Uche looks good. Winovich looks good. Judon is good. They got stout defensive tackles. This is a Bill Belichick-type defense. They are going to confuse the hell out of this kid. He might not look great. Okay, he Zach Wilson might not look great in this game. By the way, shouts out to Corey Davis getting me all those fantasy points last week, right? But I traded you as soon as I was done with you. You were like toilet paper to me, son, and now you're gone because you will have single digits in fantasy this week. So, to the person that I traded him to. Good luck. Um, it would be appreciated. Yep, no problem, uh, Kyler. Everybody shitted on me on that trade. I don't care. Everybody can pretty much uh, sit on my middle finger and twist on it. When it comes twist to... Twist on yeah, it. Right. right. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm coming in hot today, buddy. Um, New England is going to win this game easily. Uh, I believe that it will be a three-score deficit. I don't think that the Jets will look that great. I, I I like your single digits prognostication. I like that a lot. I will give them four field goals. I'll give them 12 points. And I think this is the first Mac Jones 30-point array. So, five and a half, 100%. Take New England. Take them all day long. Because Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks is super unfair to the rookie quarterback. Shots out to the hoodie. Shots out to Mac Jones. And uh, also, I am going to predict a really big game for who's the right receiver that I want to pick as the big game. Hmm. This is the, this is the Kevin this is the this is the boring game. This is the boring game. He breaks out. Boring will break out this game. So I really believe that New England is just gonna just crush him. So that's we don't really even need to go through this anymore. Now, here's another game that that there was some overreaction to. Uh New Orleans is playing Carolina. <laughs> okay. Um Jameis Winston, I believe, threw the ball 15 or 16 times last week. Now, he <laughs> he has something ridiculous, like five touchdowns with, like, 10 completions or something like that. It was ridiculous. New Orleans is favored by what in this game? Two and a half. That should tell you something. Because Vegas does this. I, Kyler, I don't know if you know this, but Vegas does something when they don't know how to go. So uh, they'll do, okay, the home team is going to be the dog, right? But we're going to put it at three or below. That lets me know that they believe that this game is going to be a lot closer than what like fans of the New Orleans Saints really believe. See, I know a little bit about Vegas, and I know how they kind of – how they kind of operate. 
So two and a half, Carolina at home against Jameis Winston. What's your thoughts on this particular game? Yeah, so I'm pretty high on Carolina as a team. I love what they've built there on that team, especially defensively. Um, but that being said, I was higher on the Packers than the Panthers coming into the season, and we saw what happened to the Packers. So I'm going to pick the Saints to win this game. Um, man, 38 to – I don't even know what the final score was in that one. But that was bad. 38 Jameis, sir. Uh, Aaron yeah, 38 to Yes, sir. Jameis was ultra-efficient, which I kind of thought was going to happen going into the season. That LASIK eye surgery is paying off. That's all he needed. James Winston MVP season coming up. Also, he eats a lot of crab legs, so um, fish is good for your eyesight as well. Yes, crab legs plus LASIK eye surgery equals eating W's. And that's all we need to know. Shout out to James. That's my guy. Um, you saw his interview after the game, right, James Winston? Yes, sir. But please, <laughs> please give a please give the listeners uh, a little taste of one JW after the game. Yeah, you had you have to watch it if you haven't. But basically, what happened was they were interviewing him, and he was like, "Yeah, we just got to stay prepared." The uh, you know, my trainer once told me, "Uh, what did he say? We just got to stay prepared." <laughs> like, <laughs> he forgot completely what the fuck his trainer said. There's no way that we just have to be prepared. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jameis was very underprepared for the start of that sentence. <laughs> Listen, uh, Jameis Winston is is he, he has not proclaimed himself as a rocket scientist. Okay, the one thing, the one great thing that happened to Jameis is that he got a year under the tutelage of Drew Brees. And you can say what you want about Drew Brees last year about you know him not throwing the football pass like ten yards down the field. All that's true, but the one thing that that guy knows how to do is prepare. And if Jameis is humbled enough where he was really just so just soaking in knowledge from drew Brees. he couldn't ask for a better situation and i hope that this is a, a way for him to resurrect his career and uh possibly put himself in a situation where he gets a huge bag uh down the road um my thoughts on this game is this, is that I, I hate it when Vegas does stuff like this because it, it tells me that they know something that we don't know, right? And here's what I will say. The Packers weren't good, okay? <laughs> we can all agree on that. But this is Christian McCaffrey we're talking about, all right? And Sam Darnold played well. Against the Jets. Now, albeit it was against the Jets, we say what we want about the Jets and whatever, but hey, that guy deserved that win, and I'm happy for him. So it's how much do you believe in the Saints defense, and do you believe or how much do you believe in the performance that Sam Darnold put up against the Jets? So I'm kind of both. I'm kind of both. I'm like high on both. So I'm kind of stuck here. But I do believe that this division, except for Tampa Bay, is going to be one of those situations where you can see a lot of teams splitting. All right? So 
as much as it pains me to do this, I will think that New Orleans will win this game. They'll win it by a field goal. That's why it'll be a close game. It'll be an entertaining game. But New Orleans will win this game. Uh, I would love to see what the over-under is on this game. That's the one thing that CVS Sports doesn't have for us. I wish they had that for us. Um, But do you think that this will be... Not, I wouldn't say a shootout, but do you think there will be more points than you think both these teams will score three touchdowns? Uh, absolutely, I do. I think Christian McCaffrey alone might score three, to be honest. Um, and I like the Saints to win the game as well. Um, but even though I'm really high on Carolina's defense, I think just the efficiency of the Saints offense is going to be too much. Um, Kamara having a big game. Also, I think this is a Marquez Callaway game. Because he only caught one pass last week. I think this is going to be his type of game. So shout out to the Saints and shout out to Callaway. My boy KC has been on Callaway like since uh, Michael Thomas said, uh, yeah, I'm going to wait on um, surgery until late, late, late. You know what I'm saying? Because my contract ain't where it needs to be. You know, so maybe I'll have surgery like, you know, July. August. I ain't really worried about it because all I have to do is get to week 10 and this whole season counts for me because I am not paid. So my man, Michael Thomas, is uh, having his uh, protest, so to speak, but he's injured. So speedy recovery to him. But uh, yeah, I believe that uh, the Saints will end up winning this game, which leads us to this. There's a guy by the name of Zach that's in our crew. He is a Philadelphia Eagle fan. And the Eagles play the San Francisco 49ers this week at the link, okay, in Philadelphia. All right? Let me tell you something. Philadelphia fan. <laughs> okay. Your, your team, not good. Just saying. Um, you won against uh, Atlanta. Great battle of the birds. Understand, Jalen Hurts looked feasible as a quarterback, but this is a completely different animal. San Francisco is back, ladies and gentlemen, and they're back in a big way because that defense is healthy. So uh, what's your thoughts of San Francisco traveling? to the city of brotherly love. This game is going to be an absolute disaster. I love this matchup for San Francisco. Everybody's just going to feast in this game. Um, Shout out to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts actually had a pretty solid game against the Falcons, and they did win 32-6 to against Atlanta. So they weren't as ass. But I don't think they match up to San Francisco. I think Jalen Hurts can actually have a decent box score stat line just because the 49ers are without a lot of corners. Jason Verrett tore his ACL again. He does this every season, I swear. That's all I know Jason Verrett for at this point is tearing his ACL. That's right. So, yeah, it's a bummer. He's pretty good when he's on the field. But I just don't think they have enough talent on either side of the ball to match up to San Francisco. I think it's a situation kind of like last week where they faced Detroit where it could be higher scoring than usual, but I don't think they do as much offensively as Detroit did. So San Francisco might win by like 
12 to 15 points, I would say. So I would assume that's higher than the spread. Three and a half of spread. So Vegas. Three and a half. Yeah, Vegas is really they're buying. They're buying on the the running ability of Jalen Hurts. They're buying the I guess they're buying the performance of what they saw against Atlanta. Um I'll that see here's the thing. The secondary of San Francisco worries me. And you do have a scrambling quarterback. Okay. I'm not saying they're gonna win at all. No, I will not say that. The 12 to 15, that's spicy. That's real spicy. I I, I like the confidence that you have in the 49ers. And our uh, our friend uh, Patrick Lansbury, uh, Lansbury will be excited about that. Um, but I will tell you this: I think this game will be a little bit closer than that. I think they will probably win by eight, right? Um, but I think that Jalen Hurts, who Kendall forever was sending me just trades for, is going to have a decent game. I'm not saying he's going to put up the thirty that he put up you know, last week or whatever case would be. But I think that he'll have a pretty good game. He will he will show himself well. And the Eagle fans will go home losers, but they'll feel good about themselves, right? That their team is going in the right direction. But I definitely see something where maybe somewhere like uh, 33-26, somewhere in there. 30, you know, or 34-26 if we want to go with the 8. But, yeah, that's what I would predict between San Francisco and Philadelphia. I do like your confidence in the 12-15, to 15, though. Yeah, I, I just don't think Philadelphia can uh, can do it twice. And I don't think the 49ers defense is going to let that happen twice where they let a bunch of crazy shit happen in the 2-minute warning. Because remember, if that didn't happen, they would have won by 12-15. to 15. So... I like their chances to do that. Well, we will see on that, but we don't. We both have San Francisco covering, and that's all that really matters. Listen, to the betters out there, all you need to know is that San Francisco will win that game, and they will beat they'll, that three and a half. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Now, that leads us to Atlanta and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um <laughs> Listen, if you got destroyed by Philadelphia and the point spread in this game is 12 and a half and they're playing in Tampa, good luck, Atlanta. Good luck in, uh, I think that Tom Brady and that team will put up 40. And I think you will go home super Super sad because I think your team is not just a dumpster fire. I think your team is like that exploding diarrhea that you have after like, you know, either some wonky um, sushi or uh, some really good Mexican food. So, um, Tyler, what's your thoughts on Tampa and the Dirty Birds from Atlanta? Yeah, Atlanta didn't look good at all last week. Tampa Bay was able to squeak one out against the Cowboys. But I'm going to be honest, Vince. I have just a just a weird feeling in my gut that Atlanta might win this game. 
This what? might be my upset of the week. What? This might be my upset of the week. Explain yourself. I might pick Atlanta to win this game. I have nothing to base this on. I'm not going to lie. This goes against anything in my brain. But I, j- Tom Brady tends to start off season slow. And, you know, he wasn't able to do it against the Cowboys. But just he usually has one game in the early part of the season that he should win that he doesn't. And I just have a weird feeling that the Falcons might just have one of those explosions on offense that they tend to do. By the way, betters probably shouldn't take this advice. You should probably take the Bucks to, to beat this spread. I understand it's a dumbass pick. I just have a weird feeling that this is the upset of the week. This is purely a gut pick and goes against anything I believe about both of these teams. But I'm picking the Falcons. Okay, Kyler, obviously uh, he tells us all the time that he does not utilize uh, drugs recreationally. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now that um, after this podcast, we will be um, having Kyler pee in a cup because um, <laughs> I, right now. He is super high. Like I don't high on the know. Falcons. I don't know what kind of high he's on, but <laughs> I don't know if he sniffed glue or huffed some um canned air or what the hell these kids do nowadays, but that's 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 a bad take. I'm probably gonna be wrong, but if I'm right, if I'm right, we are gonna have to address this next we week. Will. I'm just saying we will we will address this. We we will end up I'll go I'll go ahead and say this. Um right now I have really, really luscious hair right now. Like it's 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 nice. It's good got a good flow. I will shave my head if the Atlanta Falcons win this game. Oh shit. I will shave <laughs> I mean bald like to the point where I will shave it and then use a bick and go Kojak if Atlanta wins this game. Damn. Alright. Um Atlanta, here's the thing. I think there's a better showing out of you than what happened last week. I do believe that. I do believe that Arthur Smith is going to help you. I just don't think it's going to be this week. That's the problem. That's the problem is that it's this week, and it's that team. And here's the other thing. Yeah, usually Brady does have one game in there where it's a clunker. I think it's going to probably come next week, actually. Next week. So that's no, a little I'm preview. Sure a little sure preview. got a weird feeling. Yeah, a little preview to the remix. You know what I'm saying? But um, Atlanta, um, I would just like to see competency out of them. That's what I would like to see. Um, Here's the thing. There's a way for you to kind of be right and also me to kind of be right. If if Dallas put up the points on Tampa Bay that they did, Matt Ryan is not a terrible quarterback. I could see Matt Ryan putting up points on this Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense because they do have some injuries in the secondary that they're dealing with. Um, they had a corner go out with a dislocated elbow. Um, so I see that, but they're getting a safety back this week. So that's good. Um, my 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 thought process is this: Where the hell is Kyle Pitts? That's my question. Arthur Smith 
with like this genius that was able to use tight ends in Tennessee. What I saw out, out of Kylo, Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts last week, I was like, this is what everybody talks about. It takes a tight end a year to figure it out. And if it's going to take a year, if he doesn't live up to that number four draft pick this year, this is going to be a long, long season for Atlanta. So this might be a prove-it game for him just to see what the year is going to be like. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying that he will not turn out to be one of the best tight ends to ever play the game or anything like that. I got high expectations for Kyle Pitts, but you're going to need to show me something, son. You're going to need to show me something. Now, they could lose this game 37-23 and the 12-and-a-half is covered, but they kind of looked good and there was some offense and stuff kind of worked out. Kyler has Atlanta winning, which is just, I, again. It's dumb as shit. It's dumb as shit. Yeah. His words, not mine. I'm going to ask his parents to put him in an insane asylum after this, after this podcast. At least 72-hour lockup or something to figure out what the hell is going on in his system. Because obviously I think there's been too many Capri Suns drank and there might be some kind of chemical imbalance that is going on with him at this point. So I apologize for Kyler. But uh, yeah, he thinks somehow the Atlanta Falcons will win. I think Tampa Bay will blow this team out and uh, Atlanta will be 0-2 and Tampa will be 2-0. All right, now we get to the Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals. Before you say a word, I'm going to say my favorite phrase to say. Little Kyler Murray. He's my favorite quarterback outside of my team. I love the way he runs around. He's just entertaining as hell. I I always think that he's about to get literally destroyed. And somehow he finds a way not to get destroyed. Indicative of that play that he pulled off last week. Um, what's your thoughts on the Vikings themselves going to Arizona and facing little Kyler Murray? Uh, I think this might be the biggest blowout of the week, to be honest. Um, it could be a shootout as well. I could see Justin Jefferson having a big game, but you know, Chandler Jones on one side, JJ one on the other against the Vikings D line or the Vikings O line rather which didn't play very well against the Bengals. So Arizona just matches up very well. And then offensively, I mean, you saw what just happened to Bashad Breeland against Jamar Chase. Now they have DeAndre Hopkins. They're fucked. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, Could be a big Christian Kirk or Rondale like Moore. 35 fantasy points this week. Just as yeah. Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore could also have big games. So And Kyler Murray is just going to explode on this team. So uh, I'm taking the spread. I'll take the Cardinals to win this game. This could be a disaster. It's four and a half. There's no way you can't take the Cardinals in this game. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, Momo will probably be sad again, and he will probably be looking like, I don't understand what's going on. And he'll say in that kind of, like, disgusted, but kind of confused voice that he used or whatever. Um, yeah, here's the thing. I've been saying for years that Kirk Cousins is not good. 
I mean, I know he's serviceable. I understand, you know, he bet on himself a couple times and that's how he got his bag. But I, I have said time and time and time again, when you have a quarterback that's making like $35, $36 million or whatever, he should be able to win you a couple games on his own. Kirk Cousins is not that dude. I said it last year, and I'll say it this year. Kirk Cousins is not that dude. And until you figure out a way where he's making less money and you can put things around him, good luck in Minnesota. Now, are they still a playoff team? Probably. Um, are they going far in the playoffs? Absolutely not. This team will go as far as Dalvin Cook in his hamstrings if they hold up. That's how that's how that team is going to be successful. But this week, he's got no chance. This dude may as well be in Afghanistan right now. He, he's going to get raped and pillaged. I'm telling you right now. That defense looked Arizona defense looked sick last week. Chandler Jones looks like the dude that left New England. Sorry, Kyler. I know that still hurts. It does. It does. All right. But that defense looks really good. Uh, and by the way, a di- this is the Patrick Peterson game, by the way. This is this is it. This is the Patrick Peterson game. Oh, yeah. It is the Patrick Peterson game. I'm excited. Right. I'm excited. It's funny. Patrick Peterson goes to Minnesota. They're, they look like ass on defense. And Patrick Peterson leaves Arizona, and they look like the steel curtains from the 70s. So um, it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. D. Hopkins goes off. Um, every wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals should probably have a touchdown. Um, we might be pulling people out of the stands for this as well. And um, I'm thinking something like, uh, let's say, 38 28, and the only reason that Minnesota has 28 is because Arizona pulls a San Francisco 49er situation and kind of lets off the gas late in the game. I would, uh, I would agree. I, I think there is a chance there's a shootout in that it comes down to the wire, kind of similar to Minnesota's game against Cincinnati last week where he went to overtime and they lost. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pick a blowout. I think Arizona wins this pretty handily. For sure. Indeed. Now, it comes to one of my favorite matches, matchups of the week. The 0-1 Dallas Cowboys against the Los Angeles Chargers. You know where they're playing? Kyler, do you know where they're playing? Where the Cowboys are playing? Yeah, do you know where they're playing this week? Lovely Southern California. So they went from Tampa to SoFi. Where's the Super Bowl held this year, Kyler? Where's what? The Super Bowl going to be held this year. Do you know? Oh, in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. That's right. Stan Kroenke built a $6 billion stadium. And unfortunately, we have this piece of trash team that stays in our stadium. I said it. I don't care. I understand that's a good football team. I still hate the Chargers. So, with that being said, Dallas comes knocking to SoFi. 
to face Justin Herbert and that team. And just like Vegas always does, when they don't know, they put the point spread at two and a half. The Chargers are favored. What's your thoughts on Dallas and the Chargers? This is a game I'm really looking forward to. I think this is the highest scoring game of the week. I know it's tied with another game as far as the uh, the points uh, combined, but I think this is the highest scoring game. Uh, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, all going to have another crazy game, I think. And then on the other side, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, all probably going to go crazy. And I think the X factor in this game is Zeke. I think Zeke is going to be important on if he can actually get a run game going. If Dallas can get this going, then I would pick them to win. But I don't have a lot of confidence in Zeke. Um, so it's, this is a very tough game to pick. What's the uh, what's the spread, by the way? See, Vegas did it again. The Chargers are favored by two and a half. Anytime Vegas has it, the home team favored by three or less, they kind of are going like that's more of a pick them game than they they don't want to put pick them because they want action on it. So they do not really have a, a real like definitive way they think this game is going to sway. Yeah, and I understand why this is a super tough game to pick. Um, but I'm going to pick the Chargers. I'm going to pick the Chargers because I think their defense is more capable of getting that big play that they would need to make. You know, a Bosa strip sack could happen. A Derwin James pick could happen. Or a Derwin James forced fumble. Maybe Zeke fumbles again, you know. I just think they're more capable of creating that game-changing turnover. And that's the difference for me in picking the Chargers to beat the Cowboys and they'll fall to 0-2. Brian is going to hate me. He's still going to hate me. But these are all valid points that I'm about to make. The offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys is still in disarray. Okay, I think they're going to play Zach Martin on the right side of that tackle, actually. Um, DeMarcus Lawrence also broke his foot. So that's their best pass rusher uh, in Dallas. They, the Chargers have a, a running back by the name of Austin Eckler. And he catches passes. He runs the whole ball. I think he will be uh, instrumental also opening up stuff for the wide receivers as well. Now, I understand that it's two and a half. I get it. And I'm not expecting a blowout, but I am picking the Chargers. I believe they can win this game. I think he's right. And I told I told Dallas fans this. If you're going to win football games, you got to score 34 points. You got to score 34 I don't think you score 34. I think you score 31 and lose 35-31. That's what I think, personally. And now we are 0-2, and we are now 11 games away from the prediction of the year. I did predict that the that the Dallas Cowboys would go 4-13. Now, I understand it was a bold pick. I understand there were some people out there that said I was a complete idiot. And that's fine. Here's the deal. You probably are a lot better team than four and thirteen. You probably are, but you got Mike McCarthy as your coach. 
okay? And that country club atmosphere around Dallas has to end at some point. And I think this is the tipping point year. I think there's been a lot of mismanagement. They gave Zeke a ton of money, and he hasn't played well since he got the money. So he's great in pass coverage. I don't see the physicality in Zeke that I saw three years ago. And I think, just like Kyler said, the defensive line and the linebackers of the Chargers are going to put it on Zeke. If you're expecting a 100-yard game from Zeke, and he, you have him as a fantasy player, good luck with that because 60 yards is his max this week. You can book that shit. And I believe that it will be a shootout. It will be 35-31, and it will be the Chargers, and I will be another step closer to my 4-13 and 13, uh, record that I gave the Dallas Cowboys. I know that Kyler completely disagreed with that take, but it is what it is. We will see. I mean, Lyle Collins getting hurt and Demarcus Lawrence getting hurt does make your case a little better, but I still think they'll win more than four. They're competitive with the uh, reigning Super Bowl champions. Hey, man, I understand being competitive, and that's great. And if we were playing horseshoes, this would be awesome, right? Well, we play in the National Football League where it's W's and L's. And I don't care if they lose 11 games or 13 games by two or three points. That's how Jerry will sell it, too. Well, we could have had a couple bounces go our way this season and we could end up in the playoffs. But, you know, you know, football won them crazy games. You know what I'm saying? Go on his radio show and talk like that and sell that team. Brian was right. He's a great salesperson. But you know what he's not? A great talent evaluator. He is not that. And their team is suffering for it. Okay? That offensive line is in flux right now. They just lost their best edge rusher. And their secondary is absolute trash. Because say what you want about the three picks that Brady had, or whatever the case may be, a couple of those picks were like tip balls and stuff like that. And there was a um there was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. It wasn't like they they ran some great scheme or anything like that. They got lucky. Okay? And I'm gonna tell you right now, you're going to SoFi, you're gonna be 0-2 Dallas. It's unfortunate because you guys deserve better. You do. I know it sounds like I'm shitting on your team. I get it. But I just am sick and tired of Jerry Jones telling us a bunch of lies. And Dallas Cowboy fan, believe it. I'm going to tell you how it is. Your team is not looking good. They were shaky at best to begin the season. And now injuries are starting to rear their ugly head. And we'll see how this downward spiral goes. Okay? It's a bold prediction of 4-13. and 13. I understand it. And listen, I hope you win eight, nine games. I really do. I really do. It's, it's good for your, it's good for your uh, mental, right? But 
I, I just don't see it. And I think we're going to have a lot of these games, Kyler, this year like this. Just like the Tampa Bay game and just like the Chargers game. They'll play really impressively offensively, will not be able to get the stop that they need, and somehow just barely lose. I think this is going to be a a recurring theme for the Dallas Cowboys. I would agree. Yeah, it's really going to come down to turnover differential, third down efficiency, red zone efficiency, making field goals, which Greg Zerline struggled to do in week one, which is part of the reason they lost. So it'll come down to things like that, and uh, we'll see if they can pull out games. But you're right. I would imagine they're in a lot of stressful games, so Cowboys fans are going to have to have Adderall at all times nearby because it's going to be a rough season. And Tums. Yeah, get some antacids. You're going to need some. Sure. Yeah. All right. This leads. We got three more games left, and we got a Thursday night football game to get to. So, Kyler, we're going to speed through these. Tennessee at Seattle. Okay. Tannehill had a shit game. Their offensive line looked like shit. Uh, they're playing a Seattle team. Uh, Russell Wilson, early in the season, this is what he does. They are – Seattle is favored by five and a half at Questfield in Seattle. What's your thoughts on Tennessee maybe bouncing back? Do you believe in the theory that Derrick Henry's 27 and a half years old and he's done and all those all those rushes and carries that he had in the last couple of years are starting to catch up with him? What's your uh, thoughts? No, I don't. I don't co-sign the Derrick Henry thing, but I do think Seattle wins this game because even if they do have a bounce back game and everything goes right, they're facing Russell Wilson in the first half of the season. And there's not much you can do, especially with that Titans defense. So I think Russ just dominates this game. They they probably put up over 35, 38 points. It could get into the 40s, too. It, it could be an absolute shootout in this game. I actually concur with that. I think Derrick Henry is not on the downside, but I think what's going to happen is that Tennessee is going to fall behind again. Here's the thing. Arthur Smith left. Um, they lost Jonu Smith. Uh, as a tight end, I don't think they. Everybody was really high on this Julio Jones thing. I wasn't because I don't think he'll play. I know he won't play seventeen games. That's for sure. I don't know if he'll play ten. That's my problem. And if Derrick Henry is behind by two touchdowns early in the game, he can't. He doesn't catch the football very well. So what's his value? to the team if he can't get 28 times to tote the rock. So we're banking on Ryan Tannehill being more than a game manager? No. Okay, so five and a half is the point spread. I see a game where it's 36, 28, something like that. I mean, I just... I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. I just don't get – I don't see it. I don't see it. I think you still have a chance to win that division because that division is weak. But I just – you're playing against really good teams, and like Kyler said, early in the season, Russell Wilson is really hard to stop. So if you got D.K. Metcalf, if you got Chris Carson, you know – if you got Tyler Lockett on your squad, you're probably going to have really big fantasy days. 
I would agree. I love this matchup for all Seahawks involved. Russell Wilson, easy start. Uh, this could be a bounce back game for DK Metcalf, and uh, Tyler Lock should have another huge game as well. So I, I like the Seahawks, and I also like them to, to cover that spread as well. This also gets us to the Kansas City Baltimore Raven game. Um, now, here's the thing, Kyler. Kansas City, they they won that game, okay? I don't know if they won it or Cleveland lost it, but they did win, and it was in Arrowhead. Now, the Sunday night game is in Baltimore. Action Jackson is on the field. Uh, they have no running backs whatsoever, and um, I wasn't a huge fan of their wide receiver court to go into the season. So give Baltimore Ravens fans like some hope if you have any for Baltimore. Uh, well, one, they have Lamar still. And if you have Lamar, you have a shot in this type of a game where it kind of just comes down to who has the most dynamic plays and dynamic playmakers. And Lamar is one of the top guys in the league at doing that. So I give them that. Also, they do have Tyson Williams, a running back, who looks solid. I wouldn't say they have no running backs. They're just very old besides him. Um, so they shouldn't do a committee, but it looks like they're going to do a committee. Tyson Williams is really the only one I'd be looking for to do anything of note. Um, other than that, don't have much for you. I think Kansas City wins this one pretty decisively. Nothing you can do about Mahomes, Tyree, Treps, Kelsey. There's just not, and I don't think Baltimore can do enough to match so I feel pretty comfortable with Kansas City winning, but I'm looking forward to this game. I'm very excited about it because Lamar versus Mahomes is always a treat. I went into the season saying that I was uh, I was worried about Lamar and his development. Here's the thing. I don't even think we're going to get a real good indication of what Lamar Jackson is this year. Unfortunately, they don't have anything, okay? The running backs are all hurt, okay? Tyshawn Williams, you can think what you want. Here's the thing. He's young. He'll be inconsistent. The other thing is that I don't believe in their outside receivers whatsoever. And, um, you know, Lamar will probably be running for his life. Here's the other thing. Who the hell does Baltimore have on their defense? Their defense is not the defense of old. Ed Reed is not walking through that door. Ray, Ray Ray is not walking through that door. Okay. T-Sizzle's not walking through that door. Um, Patrick Mahomes is going to put up 40 points. Okay. Uh, this game is a three-and-a-half-point spread. I believe that um, 42-28 is the score. Yeah, I think uh, 42-28 is decent. I'll give them 42 to 30. 31, 32, something like that. Uh, if anything, just because of you know garbage time points. But um, I'm just looking forward to that game, man. I love watching Lamar play. And by the way, you're right that this season is not a good indicator. But, um, well, okay, now that I think about it, I think it actually is an indicator because I think the fact that he's doing as much as he is with nothing around him should make you higher on Lamar because I've been saying Lamar is special and that he's an underrated passer of the football. People act like he's shit throwing the ball. He can throw the ball, and I believe he's above average at throwing it. He just doesn't have anything around him. 
Um, and also, Ronnie Stanley doesn't look like he's going to play in this game at left tackle. So that is also very bad. And Lamar's going to be running for his life. What I was saying about Lamar is this, is that I wanted to see him go through his progressions. I think that's why I'm saying is that you, this is not a good barometer this year for, for Lamar is because he doesn't have enough to get to a bunch of pro- progressions this year. That's my whole thing. Um, so this is kind of like a just scrap year for him. Um, and I just think their defense is a lot worse than people want to give credit to it. I mean, I just think that that defense is god-awful. Um, they proved it. They proved it. They proved it Monday night. And then you, there's just too much on the other side. I mean, when you have Tyreek and you have Travis Kelsey and you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you got Patrick Mahomes, and then, you know, you got the ancillary guys, the Nicole Hardmans Hart- of the world, things of that nature. I just don't see how the Baltimore defense handles that at all. So that's why I think that it'll be a big, it'll be a big margin, unfortunately for the Baltimore Ravens, which leads us to our last game, our Monday night game tilt. Detroit is going to the green Bay Packers and the much maligned Aaron Rodgers. your thoughts on Detroit at Lambeau. I think this is the Aaron Rodgers bounce back game, you know, and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. I think this is a Packers win. It's not even close. They have no corners on the outside. Jeff Okuda's hurt. He was their number one. and He was shaky to begin with going into his second season. So I think Devontae might pass 150 yards receiving. He might get to 200. Who knows? But I like them in this matchup. I don't think Jared Goff can do enough to compete. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show that he's not, in fact, sabotaging the team on purpose. He just, you know, he had a shitty game, which happens. But I think Packers win, and they easily cover the spread. Spread is 10 and a half. I'll take that. I'm just letting you know right now. Here's the other thing. Not only will he bounce back, not only will all of us, well, I don't, I don't include myself in this, but I understand the panic. I get y'all. I understand. But in the in the words of a wise man, R E L A X, relax. He's the reigning MVP. Okay, he didn't play in the preseason at all. Obviously, it's going to take him a little time. All right, and guess what? If you need to get right. This is the team to get right on, okay? So, if you have Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers on your fantasy team, you're going to have huge numbers in this game. And here's the deal. 45 points for the Green Bay Packers. 45. I think that Jared Goff throws two interceptions. Jair Alexander gets one of those. And this is a 45 to 24 victory for the Green Bay Packers. So I am being yeah, 45. Yeah. 45 is attainable. Uh, by the way, my, if I have to predict a player that will get a pick, because I do agree, Goff will throw a couple picks. 
I'll go with Darnell Savage at safety. I think Goff is going to sail a pass, and Savage picks it off. Yes, sir. I said there were two, so Darnell can get one, we'll and, and, and Jair, Jair will also get one as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. good on that. Yeah, I'm good on that. Because here's the thing, Detroit Lions fans. <clears throat> your coach, not too bright. Uh, your quarterback, not so good. And just like KC said, listen, your secondary wasn't great to begin with, and now we got a we got a out for the year third overall pick from a couple years ago. Okuda's out. I mean, what could you possibly expect out of this game? I'll tell you what Detroit Lions fans can expect out of this game. Maybe you see the emergence of TJ Hawkinson. Maybe you see Swift look really good. There's some there should be building blocks into this season, right? Panay Sewell has another decent game to good game, right? You start to see growth with the guys that you drafted, right? You're not looking to win this year anyway. This is a legit red shirt year. Legit. You Houston and a couple of other teams should all be vying for the number one overall pick. And you got a great tank commander in one Jared Goff. So sit back, relax, enjoy your two and fifteen or three and fourteen season. Go into the draft next year and hope that uh Malik Willis is sitting there for you. I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about Detroit Lion football. That pretty much sums it up. And shout out to TJ Hawkinson. That's my guy. Please uh, please hang in there and have the 1,800-yard season I believe you can have. In in the words of, of early 90s um, pop uh, trio, Wilson Phillips, TJ Hawkinson, hold on to one more day. Okay, buddy? It gets better, bro. Listen, you're getting paid. You got paper. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? You're probably living out in Auburn Hills, right? You know, living pretty good. Just collect the checks, bro, and hope that next year it all works out. You know what I'm saying? Just just chill. Just chill. Don't get hurt. That's the other thing. You know what I'm saying? Because Jared Goff will lead you into linebackers. So if you got the gator arm a couple... You know what I'm saying? Do that. Keep yourself healthy. All right? Uh, and uh, go Lions, I guess. You know, go Lions for first pick overall. But, yeah, Green Bay should win this game handily. Aaron Rodgers will put all the fears to bed. And uh, Devontae Adams will be like, yes, this is a year where I am ready for my free agency to get the hell out of Green Bay because this is an absolute complete shit show and Brian Gutenkus is a absolute fucking clown. So uh that's all I gotta say about that particularly. Uh do you have any words on uh the fiasco that is the Green Bay Packers, uh Kyler? Uh you'll be fine for this game, Glimmer of Hope. Just use this game to uh Hopefully, as Packers fans forget that y'all are about to lose your star quarterback and wide receiver after the season. Just try to, you know, forget that after this game. And they put up forty-five. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Kyler on that uh, particular note. Uh, note to Green Bay fans, um, if you want to help Aaron Rodgers uh, pack up his uh, his valuables or whatever, you can shoot me a uh, a, a tweet at uh, QPPN Vince. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Um, I think Devontae also needs some help with moving his stuff. Uh, if there's a real estate and in, uh, in, if there's a real estate guy out there, uh, give me a call um, and we can maybe provide you some information so you can get uh, Devontae's and uh, Aaron Rodgers' house, houses sold in Green Bay. Yes, sir. I was about to say, besides, I guess, their houses, the only valuables they have is each other in Green Bay, to be honest. This is a true statement. And with that, we are done. I hope we make our uh, listeners a bunch of money this week. Uh, we will talk a little bit more next week about like what the schedule is. If you're looking for KC's fantasy show, okay, here's the thing. To all, you know, good things come to those who wait. All right. We're doing a little restructure. KC is looking for a co-host and we are trying some people out, myself included. So I guess I am becoming the Bill Simmons of this podcast network. You will start to hear him regularly on this podcast and we're going to be doing some things with his show. And I think it will be back at the first part of October, maybe the second week of October. But when it does come back, it will be awesome. Okay? It will be fucking phenomenal. You know why? Because Casey's the best. And my man brings heat every single fucking time that he's on these airways. So if you're looking forward to that, don't worry. It's not gone. We haven't canned anybody. It's just a little restructure. Just relax. We're back. You're going to get us twice a week at least. I might have to do a college football thing in the middle of the week. Kyler won't be part of that because he absolutely does not like college football whatsoever. He just worries about pros, fantasy, and point spreads. That's what he worries about. And that's cool. I'm good with that. But he'll be on the basketball shows and stuff like that. So, with that being said, we're going to sign off. We're going to go enjoy some Thursday night football game because it's going to be an absolute shit show. And, Kyler, do you got any final words for the people who are gracing us by downloading and subscribing this podcast? Yeah, man. Appreciate y'all listening. Uh, final two notes are go Patriots. And uh, everyone remember that Vince did say he would go bald if the Falcons won. Just want to remind everybody that that did happen. So, yes. Listen. And I will put it on Instagram, and I will put it on Twitter. If the Falcons win this game, I will go completely bald. Kojak style, Yul Brenner, who, uh, Michael Jordan, whomever else are all famous bald-headed dudes, I will do that. Okay? I will shave my head and then bake it down to the skin level if the Atlanta Falcons win this fucking football game. So I'm going to tell you right now, um, uh, Tampa, uh, Tom Brady, listen, you got a good head of hair. I actually have a good head of hair. 
I'm looking forward to you winning this game very easily. And if you don't, um, I'm going to have one of our guys by the name of Kendall or Keyshawn come fuck your wife. So with that being said, we are out of here. <laughs> we are gone. So I hope that everybody has a good week and we will see you. Listen, the schedule is is being changed. Just look out on social media for us and stuff like that. But we'll be dropping this podcast later tonight. So uh, you guys enjoy your weekend. KC, thank you for joining me. And uh, man, I'll see you soon. Absolutely. All right. See ya. And we're the fuck up out of here. Peace. <laughs>